Greetings, and welcome to another episode of Haunted History with Sherry Brake. That's me. In each episode, we will venture down the not-so-straight path of the paranormal, exploring dark history, the oddness of life and death, we'll cover subjects such as folklore, haunted locations, cryptids, mythology, the ancient craft, haunted travel, and of course, that dark history that we all love. This episode is entitled Beyond the Towpath, A Dead Irishman for Every Mile of Canal. So let's dim the lights, light a candle, and settle in. Ghost stories don't need to be fabricated. History is frightening enough. In 1825, a great project was begun that would open up the entire state of Ohio to transportation and trade. The Ohio frontier would be connected via a canal waterway from New York and New Orleans. The Ohio and Erie Canal helped people and products flow across America, fueling westward expansion and trade. It extended 308 miles from Lake Erie to the Ohio River. The Ohio and Erie Canal completed a water route between the East Coast and the Gulf of Mexico. It was basically the ditch that opened up Ohio's wilderness to trade and passenger travel. On July 4, 1825, ground was broken on the canal at Licking Summit near Newark, Ohio. The Ohio and Erie Canal took seven years to complete and when it was finished in 1832. With the growth that was stimulated by the canal, Ohio's population grew from 581,295 in 1820 to 1.98 million in 1850. This made Ohio the third most populous state in the Union. The canal spurred Ohio's rapid growth both agriculturally and industrially. Cities such as Akron and Cleveland grew from small towns into prosperous communities bolstered by the passengers and trade on the canal route. The canal carried freight traffic from 1827 to 1861, when freight traffic rapidly diminished due to the construction of railroads across the state of Ohio. From 1862 to 1913, the canal served as a water source to industries and towns alike. I certainly hope this isn't feeling like history class back in high school. But on March 23, 1913, after a winter of record snowfall, storms dumped an abnormally heavy amount of rain on the state of Ohio. This caused extensive flooding of creeks, rivers, and the canal. The reservoirs spilled over into the canal, destroying the aqueducts, washing out banks, and devastating most of the lock system. In Akron, one county north of Stark County, Lock 1 was dynamited to allow backed-up floodwaters to flow. At least 428 people died during the flood of 1913 in Ohio alone. 
and more than 20,000 homes were completely destroyed. Property damage was extensive, as you can imagine, and many homes that were not destroyed were seriously damaged. Factories, railroads, and other structures also suffered major losses. Today, the Ohio and Erie Canalway is a national heritage area. It's a scenic area with trails, scenic byways, and trains. There are winding rivers and lakes and rustic wooded areas. Plenty of places to stroll and picnic. Ohio's history almost comes to life around you as you travel the route that the early canalers used to transport their goods and passengers. The trail meanders through scenic areas like the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, through cities like Akron and Maslin, which were once major ports along the canal, and small towns like Canal Fulton and Peninsula, whose sizes today belie their importance in the early days of the canal, and both of which owe their very existence to the canal. The canal is a beautiful part of Ohio's history, but it was also the scene of darker times and tragic accidents. Tales of unmarked graves, Indian attacks, accidental drownings, and ghostly apparitions linger along the canal and its towpath. During construction of the canal, many workers of Irish ethnicity were hired for the strenuous project. Thousands upon thousands labored to build the canal system. Those literally in the trenches faced extremely arduous conditions for little pay. The workers lived on the edge of subsistence financially, physically, canal work was backbreaking, dangerous, and at certain times, fraught with the near certainty of cholera and malaria, both of which carried off sizable chunks of the workforce during the years of the building of the canal. The lives of many Irish immigrants who worked in the canals seem to have been, in those immortal words, short, brutish, and nasty. Violence and heavy drinking were rampant in the communities, and armed conflicts and labor riots were far from unheard of, during these early years. In digging the canal, mud, dirt, and trees were removed by backbreaking labor with only picks, axes, and shovels as the tools of the time period. Horses and mules were also used to haul soil and fell trees, but the men bore the brunt of the physical labor. Workers were typically paid 30 cents a day with a jig or two of whiskey to help stave off any diseases. Unfortunately, antibiotics were not invented yet, and many hardened workers succumbed to the ravages of diseases such as dysentery, cholera, and malaria. Poor living conditions helped the spread of vermin and disease, as did poor quality drinking water. Cholera was spread through contaminated water and food, but it was not a known fact at that time. People who contracted this illness would often die from dehydration within a few hours. The Scots-Irish seem to suffer the most. The local legend that surrounds the canal says that for every mile of canal, a dead Irishman lies buried in its banks. The poor souls who perished could not afford proper burial in many area churchyard cemeteries, 
as they had no funds to pay for a decent burial. Many a lone worker fell dead and was simply buried in a shallow grave dug deep along the steep bank. It is said that in life we seek acknowledgement and in death we seek the same. If a grave is not acknowledged or marked properly, I believe, as many others believe, that the soul does not rest as it should. Could this be what fuels the paranormal activity along the old towpath and the canal? If the legend is correct, and there is at least one body for every mile of canal, then there would be at least 308 bodies in unmarked graves along the towpath trail, stretching from the north and Lake Erie to the south and the border of the Ohio River. Many local Native Americans were displeased, to put it lightly, with the canal way and the encroaching settlers upon their lands. The canal business was subject to a few Indian raids and unfortunate murders. These attacks never really made the front page of the newspaper, as they would frighten off prospective travelers and investors on the canal. Nonetheless, these dark deeds happened to some unlucky travelers and workers. There were frequent accidental drownings in the canal as well. Canal boat captains who lived on the boats had their entire families on board with them, sometimes with the small children. Occasionally, one of the children would slip quietly overboard, not to be discovered until it was too late. There have been photographs taken of small children with ropes around their legs tied to wooden stakes on top of the boats to help them avoid falling over into their watery death. Other dark tales surround a specific area of the canal in Stark County. Block 4 Park is situated one mile south of Canal Fulton on Erie Street. It's maintained by the Ohio State Parks and it's a beautiful area to picnic in or to let the kids play freely in the playground area. I often did this back in the early 1990s. We loved going to Lock Four Park and having a picnic or throwing rocks into the water there or watching the canal boat. But today, glancing around at the canal and the park-like setting, it's kind of hard to imagine anything but beauty at this location. History is not always pretty, and what allegedly happened here at Lock Four in the late 19th century is evidence of that. Many canal workers and boatmen had gotten word that the railroad was blazing a trail through the area and that the canal era would be rolling to a close. Railroads could ship people and transport goods quicker than a four mile per hour canal boat could ever dream of traveling. Many canalers became outraged at the railroad companies and all that they stood for. Rallies took place and people became desperate as their way of life and incomes were threatened by the closing of the canal. Legend says that one canal worker became violent and grabbed a container of some kind of caustic acid that was being transported on a canal boat. The enraged worker tossed the lid open and flung the contents on his fellow workers, dumping the remnants on himself. 
the legend states that no immediate deaths ensued, but rather the men suffered gruesome, slow deaths that took several days. A few men perished due to their acid-eaten skin and organs, and the man responsible also died. There are people that claim that if you visit Lock 4 today and you listen closely, you can hear the cries and the moans of the men who suffered this tragic event. When I wrote this book in 2009, Haunted Stark County, no documentation had been found that certified that this tragedy took place, but it's always been part of a local legend and lore for many years. This incident is also mentioned in a book by author Jeff Bellinger in 2004. The book is called The World's Most Haunted Locations. Many people have confided in me over the years that they have seen shadowy figures while out strolling along certain sections of the towpath. Local newspapers from the 1960s and the 1970s in Stark County spoke of this very fact, stating that headlines, and this is a quote, ghostly canal workers stroll the towpath, end quote. Why would these pathways and waterways be haunted? Many paranormal researchers believe that ghosts tend to linger due to a job left unfinished or an untimely, tragic death. Could it be that the canal workers continue their ghostly work along the canal? Is their presence due to the fact that there are numerous unmarked graves gracing the banks? Another reason that spirits may linger is due to the fact that their lives were cut short by a tragic death. Surely the children who drowned falling off the boats and into the murky canal water would enter this category. I'm sure that skeptics will be able to reason away any odd feelings along the towpath that you may experience. Perhaps that sudden chill is just that and nothing more. Take a stroll along the towpath someday as the sun starts to sink in the sky. I bet you will glance over your shoulder more than once or twice. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Haunted History with me, Sherry Brake. If you're interested in any of my ghost hunts, my programs, my tours, my international tours to Ireland and Scotland, please be sure to check out my website at hauntedhistory.net. I'm on Instagram as River Sticks, R-I-V-E-R-S-T-X, and I have various Facebook pages under Sherry Brake Haunted Heartland Tours and also under the various titles of my books. And speaking of books, if you were intrigued with this episode on Canal Fulton and also on the towpath, these stories have been featured in my Haunted Stark County book, which was published in 2009. It's part of the Haunted America series by the History Press and Arcadia. So if you're interested in anything to do with Canton, Ohio, Haunted Stark County, Canal Fulton, I suggest you get my Haunted Stark County book and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Because like I've said before, ghost stories don't need to be made up. History is frightening enough. Don't you agree? Until we meet again, I hope to see you out somewhere on the Haunted Highway. Have a good one.